Welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. I am Jerem Jordan alongside Banksy, who did not go as hard on St. Patrick's Day as one Paul Mullen did. Oh, look at that, you beauty. <laughs> the man rules and reigns over the party as he should. I don't even know the context of these photos. Um, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day. You know, the teams, uh, some of the members of the team are out there. They're just really celebrating Paul Mullen who happens to be Irish. I think it was Paul Mullen Day and also coincided with St. Patrick's Day. But Paul is a great ambassador for uh, Ireland and, of course, a USA Eagle as well. So he's like the best of both worlds. That was great. That was part of the St. Patrick's Day parade that ran down through the Gateway Mall. It happens every year. And uh, the Shimsa apps just takes over downtown after the parade so also great to have uh you know a couple of our friends from france with us who were here and uh just a great weekend all around for rugby and for the community at large yeah always good to have the boys from uh toulouse in town to hang out which was great we are on the utah warriors facebook twitter and youtube account subscribe to the podcast version on apple Podcasts, spotify and soundcloud you can listen to the show as well we broadcast weekly on espn 700 in Salt Lake City, Here was, here's what's on the show today. We'll recap the game at NOLA, uh, MLR Roundup, Rounds 5. We'll preview Round 6 as well. Uh, Greg Cooper will join the program, the head coach, former All Black. How would he assess how things are going through four games? Two big games coming up at home as well. We'll talk about that, among other things. We'll preview the matchup with Toronto uh, this Saturday afternoon at Zions Bank Stadium. And then uh, a couple of news and notes regarding a, a neutral site championship game location revealed in Major League Rugby. We look forward to the Warriors playing someone from the Eastern Conference in that, we hope. And then uh, conversations about a new world league, uh, Northern versus Southern Hemisphere, and perhaps the United States not super in the mix in that, and why uh, we we maybe don't like that. We'll discuss that coming up. But we'll, let's recap uh, the 37-14 loss at NOLA on a windy day in New Orleans. This was, uh, this was a tough one, Banksy, as uh, the Warriors kind of got beat up in this one. Yeah, it was a punching bag, and it was all New Orleans from the get-go. Uh, a couple of unfortunate penalties put the Warriors behind, but full credit to the gold. They came out ready to play after a big win against Rooney and another big win against uh, the Warriors. The gold are rolling in the East. Okay, we start in the eighth minute where Jack Webster uh, scored a try. This was unconverted, and uh, quickly Nola uh, was on the front foot going up 5 nothing here. It was just a great use of space, and this actually came off of a line-out and a mall drive that got him about 10 meters, and then a couple of quick phases to suck that defense in, and you saw how much green pasture there was on the outside to close it out. That's the right winger. Now to the left winger in the 19th minute. Kale Hodgson scores in the left corner of a grubber from Rodney Yona. Unconverted in the win. Great try there, slapping it down. 10 nothing null at this point. You know, the entire offense runs through Rodney Iona, and he did a great job of marshalling that team around the field and a little bit of skill with that perfectly weighted kick through the line there. We've seen that from uh, Polisique, uh, Tamika Cruze, and Joe Mano this year. Uh, 26th minute, Rodney Iona makes a penalty goal, 13-0. To the 37th minute for the half, Pat O'Toole uh, celebrated St. Patrick's Day a day late with the try. At this point, it's 18-0. That, this ends up being the game-winning play. We don't know it at the time, of course. Another unconverted try. Didn't matter, but uh, that's quite a run by the opposing hooker, Pat O'Toole. For as much as I don't want to give them any credit, that entire backline movement was all through the hands of forward players as they found space. And then O'Toole had no desire to offload the ball once he got his hands on it. He was going one way, and that was downhill. Okay, at that point on the radio call, we said, maybe the Warriors should just get in the shed and regroup at this point. 
That was true because, unfortunately, in the 40th minute, uh, Luke Campbell, the scrum half, scores a try. Conversion good. At this point, it's 25-0 and really feels like it's out of hand. You know, this is a video that you want to show to young kids. Look at how far forward he is as he trails the action and then allows the game to catch back up to him in good position. So when you draw it up for your nines and you teach them how to trail and follow the action to be in the right position, that's as good as it gets. It's just good fundamentals from Campbell. So at this point, Utah's going to score. They've never been shut out in team history. Ten points, the fewest ever. And they do. Uh, 49th minute, Lance Williams gets to try great offload by Mika Kruse. And, uh, of course, this is a significant try because it's the 250th in Utah Warriors history. Congratulations to Lance and the Warriors for getting it. Uh, it's been incredible watching this team build up what has been a very exciting offense through the years. And that combination with Lance being able to finish on the outside from a great offload, by the way, from Mika, who's playing some really great rugby this year, had a lot asked of him playing on the wing, playing in the centers, playing fullback even. So being a facilitator for him and for others, a great way to mark 250 tries for the Utah Warriors. Second most to San Diego in MLR history. And then Lance Williams now tied with Mikey Teo, the all-time try leader in Utah Warriors history at 14. So congratulations to Lance Williams. So conversion good from Joel Hodgson. And this was uh, as good of a conversion as you could possibly make as he uses the win to his advantage to make it. Well, and especially after Iona had missed every conversion so far that he had, the one penalty goal that he made was basically right in front of the sticks. Look at that. that! That signature trot and the boomerang kick, a la Dan Carter in the wind, just the initial nice. kick was nowhere on target and just using the elements to curl that thing back around. Masterpiece. Former uh, Warrior commentator Johnny Linehan, Kiwi, loves Dan Carter so much, his first kid's named Carter. So I can respect uh, the send there from uh, Johnny. Proper. Shouts hey, out to Johnny, too, by the way. Shout out to Johnny. 25-7 at this point, little momentum. Hey, if you get a try or two, you may come back in this one. We've seen Utah explosive and come back down 17 before. 53rd minute, this was tough. Uh, Tuveti Vungakoto gets a red card for kind of a forearm into the neck of one of the Nola Gold, and he has sent off for uh, 20 minutes. Luke Campbell, uh, the opposing scrum half, got the uh, brunt of that. You know, and a bit tough for two. He was coming off of the initial contact in that phase of play. So there was no malice in it. He wasn't trying to lead with that arm. He was just, as he came up, unfortunately, he's about eight inches taller than Luke on that situation. And the it, the contact straight to the neck and chin, though, going to be a red card every time. That's dangerous play, unfortunately. It's tough because, uh, you know, he's in there and, uh, you know, he's coming in as a sub already. And now you got to sub back uh, Henry Bell back in. And uh, you lose, uh, you know, down a man for 20 minutes. Despite this, uh, 10 minutes later, Joe Mono is about to score. And unfortunately, the ball comes loose and it's a knock on in the try zone. Otherwise, this gets a little more interesting here. And again, it starts off the great play from Mika Cruze being physical and fast. Caleb Mockany gets the ball forward. And this is just great defense turning the ball carrier. So he has to try and dot it down out the back door across his hip and just not able to hold on to the width of the ball there to score the try. 10 minutes later, Malcolm May scores a try to make 30 to seven at this point. It's, it's uh, over, but uh, Utah still pushing. Mika Kruse tacked one on in the 76th minute to get a second score. And deserved from Mika as well. And it was just a good switch inside line 
you know at that point if you're opposing defenses, you prepare for it all week long that Paul Mullen inside of 10, or not, excuse me, Paul Lasique inside of 10 meters is going to be your target. So I think that set run from Joel Hodgson was the call, and Mika came in on a screamer for the automatic seven. He's now tied for fifth in team history in tries. And Mika, as you mentioned, playing uh, great rugby right now. He is such a weapon. You can play him on the wing. You can play him at center. He's very versatile that way. Then uh, one minute later, Zion going uh, gets a yellow card for a similar infraction with the forearm uh, to his opponent there. And uh, he goes out for the final three minutes of the game. And again, probably deserved here. It wasn't initial contact to the to the neck and shoulders, but he started at the chest and then the ball, his arm came up in contact. So, you know, obviously with the Tuveti Vungakoto red card, that was on Scott Green's radar for that kind of contact and just unlucky to get two harsh cards in this match for the Warriors. Then JP Duplessis uh, adds another score uh, to make 35-7 uh, conversion uh you know, in this one, 30, uh, excuse me, 37 uh, 14, the final, as JP uh, dotted one down. So we look at the final stats. Uh, six tries allowed. Uh, Sonola gets a five pointer. The two scores for Utah. Uh, the one conversion was good. Uh, Utah still has not attempted a penalty goal. We expect that to happen at some point, perhaps Saturday. We'll see. The tackle number, just a massive number uh, from Utah with 244 there. Uh, lineouts super successful from uh, Nola. Not too many lineouts for Utah in this one. There were a couple kicks from Joe Hodgson that he's trying to put it into touch. They just stay in bounds uh, because of the wind. And then you see the scrum successful from Utah, eight for eight there. And uh, ultimately, Nola ends up winning in convincing fashion, 37 14. And uh, of note, Jamie Lane in the top 10 in the league going through this week in tackles made. And uh, Tommy Tuaval, the lead tackler for all rugby action in Major League Rugby this week. So uh, big performances from the boys in this shift on defense. Okay, of note, uh, Tuvede Vungakoto, or we'll get to that in a second, his suspension, but the game notes. 23-point um, loss is rare, fourth largest in team history, with 14 points tied for fifth fewest. So certainly work to do for Utah. 0-5 versus Nola Gold. I don't know what it is, Banksy. This is uh, the first double-digit win for Nola against Utah. They've mostly been close up to this point. And congratulations to Franco Vandenberg, his 50th cap. Good work from Big Franco. He's been such a stalwart on the loose head side, come through some injury and adversity over the last uh, season and a half. Great to see from him. Some teams for whatever reason, are just your kryptonite. And I think the rivalry with San Diego is a good indication of that. And very quietly, Nola Gold has Utah's number in Major League Rugby. Okay, Tuvedi Vungakoto, uh, it was announced today by Major League Rugby, has been suspended for three games. That's typically what they've done with red cards. Um, do you agree with the three games? I don't agree with the three games. I do agree with the red card. I thought maybe this should have been a single game. Uh, you know, we have the benefit of looking hindsight now at the full extent of the buildup of this play. He didn't lead with his arm in opening contact. He actually had his head down, was carrying the ball properly and shook one tackle. And as he was coming up to make the second contact, that's when the arm extended. And so there was no malice or intent and in he wasn't leading with his arm as a weapon in that case. So Clearly, contact to the neck and, and face should have been a red card. I don't agree with the three-game suspension. I think that's just the league laying out a zero-tolerance policy, if you will, and not looking at the actual context of the game match and the player. 
So certainly uh, Utah will need to dip into the bench a bit. Joey Baki, I know Chad Goff came out of retirement to kind of help in preseason training. We'll see what that looks like at Hooker for Utah the next couple of weeks. Okay, round five, other scores from Major League Rugby. Uh, New England took down New York, who's lost in back-to-back weeks, 33-18. Defending champs go down. New England, of course, had the best regular season last year. Uh, Old Glory DC takes it to Toronto, 29-3. Toronto struggling a bit. We'll talk about the Arrows, who are still a good team, but they haven't haven't quite connected uh, this season. Congratulations to Chicago. They get their first win. They take down Dallas as uh, the Jackals continue to struggle a little bit, but a tight one there at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview. Uh, And then uh, San Diego takes on Rugby ATL. That was a big one, 35-10. San Diego looking good. And then, of course, uh, Nola, as we mentioned, took down Utah. Anything stick out from uh, round five? Obviously, you got to give big congratulations in the Battle of the Dogs with the Jackals and the Hounds, Chicago. Getting their first win for the franchise, not just for their season. So uh, a landmark day for them. And congratulations to those guys as a new franchise. And for all the hard work they put in, uh, they clearly earned it. Okay, let's take a look at the uh, the standings uh, so far. In the West, San Diego, 21 points out in front. Seattle, not far behind at 4-0. Uh, uh, had a bye week, uh, so 17 points still sitting there. Only undefeated team in the league. Houston in that third and final playoff spot at the moment through round five of 16 games. I guess it goes 18 weeks, right? Um, Utah in fourth place within striking distance right there. Chicago. Uh, with its first uh, win up to six points. Dallas with three right there, still looking for its first win in franchise history. Three teams above 500 in the West. Um, In the East, there's only one team that can say that. That's New England, who have 15 points. D.C. looking pretty good in second place early, and then Log Jam at third with New York, NOLA, and Rugby ATL. Toronto with uh, five points so far in the East. You know, and this is the way that Major League Rugby has gone through six seasons. You know, it always seems in the West, the front runners get out to that early lead and establish themselves. And in the East, they kind of scrap around in this round robin until finally, in the final four or five weeks, the cream then rises, you know, and maybe it's a little more parity in the East than the West. You could argue that, you know, with Rugby New York winning the ship last year and taking the shield home. But right now, we're all chasing two very familiar teams at the top of the table in the West in Seattle and San Diego. They've been really good for several years. Of course, uh, Utah made the playoffs in 2021, looking for and uh, back in uh, 18, year one as well. Okay, uh, the schedule in round six looks like this. Uh, DC and NOLA goal. That should be a fun one. NOLA playing really good the last couple of weeks, of course. New England and Dallas. Uh, we'll see what happens in that one. Utah going to host Toronto. We'll preview that one coming up. Houston and Rugby ATL. I like that one a lot this week. And then Chicago hosting Seattle Sneaky. Because uh, Billy Meeks now with the Hounds, he plays, they win a game. I don't think that's a coincidence against Seattle. That should be an interesting one. Going to be tough for Seattle to travel all the way to Chicago. It's going to be cold, but not as cold as it was in that Dallas game. I think the temperatures were in the 20s there Mm. in the Windy City. The one I've got circled, though, that big battle between Houston and Rugby ATL. I think that's a great matchup and a good measuring stick to see where those two teams are really at in the early stages of the season. And as mentioned, Utah hosts Toronto this week. We hope to see you there. If you're ready to get your tickets and be part of the best home field advantage in Major League Rugby, Dove Nation, it's time to stand up and be counted. Get your tickets now at warriorsrugby.com as the Warriors take on the visiting men from the great white north. The Toronto Arrows come to town, eh? Take off, you hosers. Get your tickets, <laughs> warriorsrugby.com. Cool, 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 cool. Utah <laughs> and Toronto. 
coming up uh, this Saturday. Strange Brew. Uh, we sh- let's just play it uh, on the video board before the game. I think that'd be fun. We would now welcome to the program the head coach of the Utah Warriors in his first season, Greg Cooper. And always good to have Coops on the show. Coops, you did you did TV back in New Zealand, right? As well as, of course, playing and coaching. So you you know all about what we're doing here, right? <laughs> yeah, not as good as you guys. You know, you're, you're, you're up there with the best. You're up with the best. Too well, thanks, kind. Greg. We appreciate that. You're too kind. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about um, first Saturday, and then we'll kind of zoom out to the season. But what did what did you like, and uh, where do you start in, in trying to uh, get this team back to its winning ways? Yeah, well, not there wasn't a lot, a lot to like about it, to be honest, Jeremy. I mean, we, we actually performed in terms of our training week was good. We, we were ready. We felt as though we were ready. Um, we just started badly. Uh, they, oh, look, let's give them credit. They played very well. There's not much they didn't do. They didn't turn, you know, to gold, so to speak. So they were, they were good. Um, but we allowed them to, we, you know, we gave them some soft tries. We, they got in, they got momentum. Um, and I think we lost a little, we clearly lost momentum. So really disappointing. Uh, statistically, some of the stuff was actually okay. If you want to point to some good things, uh, you know, we did a lot of good things, but, you know, we leaked too many points. The week or the game before against Chicago, we, I thought it was, you know, as a, as a, as a coach, I was uh, delighted with that. We, uh, you know, we showed a lot of heart. We were under pressure against Chicago. So to lose that momentum against NOLA, um, you know, it's not a good thing. So this week it's about building that momentum again. because You know, we've got to put a strong performance in against Toronto. So in the preparation, what's different this week to previous weeks? Obviously the past is in the past and we can't change it. So controlling our own future, what is the mindset like going into this matchup with Toronto? Thanks. Yeah, I think the, the important thing is, you know, we, we, you know, it's, it's important we start well, and that's easier said than done, you know, because you know, you've got the opposition trying to start well at the same time. So for us, it's important we start well. So I think it's important that we don't get flamboyant. We, you know, we gave away some penalties early, so we've got to be strong in our discipline because once you give away penalties, you give away territory and you give away possession. And, and clearly, playing into the wind as Nola were, they were looking to hold possession. So, you know, we give away a penalty, they get the ball. So we need to, I think controlling possession early is important. And I think controlling possession is about being really disciplined. And I think it's also about being, um, uh, about being also disciplined in your skill set. So not, not pushing the boundaries too far. What was the biggest difference between the tremendous defense we saw against Chicago where, what was the number? They got into the 22 like 17 times. Um, an amazing defensive performance. And Nola, where it felt like uh, there were a lot of openings uh, for the gold. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, totally different teams. You know, like against Dallas, uh, D- Dallas we had a ninety-two percent tackle efficiency, which is really, really high. You sort of, if you're getting eighty, if you're getting eighty-five percent, you're doing quite well. Um, so we got ninety-two, but we gave away tries in we call the red zone inside our twenty-two. So we, you know, we knew that that's where Chicago were coming at us. They were coming, you know, hard at us, close, and they were, and they, and they ended up you know, getting camped inside our 22. So we addressed that the week before. This team we knew was different. This team we knew had width in their game. Um, and, you know, like, we we were ready for that. But, you know, there was a couple of simple... There was one time of, uh, a player jammed in, uh, we call it, you know, and, and we were pushing, jammed in, they got the edge, they scored. There was another time we simply missed a one-on-one tackle, they scored. So... A lot of the defensive framework was actually okay. We operated at eighty-five percent, so we were close enough to our to where we want to be. But when you're missing, you know, if you miss a one-on-one tackle, and let's be 
you know, let's be honest here with not Nolan took most of their chances. Um, so you miss a tackle, they score. You miss another tackle, they score. Well, it doesn't really matter if you get 85% because it really matters how many tries they score. So a totally different team went at us. We saw some good things defensively, but ultimately we missed some crucial tackles and they scored from those. So where do you see this team's strengths at right now? From the outside looking in, I think clearly the backline play and the continuity there, I think through the lineups over the last couple of games has reflected that. Where do you see the biggest strengths of this squad right now going into Toronto? Well, well clearly, Banksy, we know we, we've got a good line-out. We obviously didn't have much line-out uh, ball the other days, but we've got a good line-out. Um, our scrum is strong. Unfortunately, in the MLR, you don't, you don't often get rewarded for a strong scrum because, you know, two, two resets and then that's the end of it. Rather than most competitions in the world, you've got a dominant scrum. You get penalties from that scrum. You get line-out mauls. You get tries. It's a lot harder in the MLR. So we're not probably being rewarded for that dominant scrum. But I do think our set piece was good. Uh, I actually think we've got an all-round game. I mean, if I was to look at our game at the moment, we are line-breaking. We're not finishing. We're giving... We're, we're, we're not, you know... There's, there's errors in our game, and, and I'm, I'm the team's harshest critic. While I, while you know, I look for positives, I also look to find out what can we fix. And you know, we're turning over the ball too much. When you turn over the ball, you put a lot of pressure on your defence. Um, but you know, our attack is showing some good signs. We are, as I said, I think we're the highest line breaking team. So we've got to get more accurate. We've got to get more clinical in what we do. So you know, I think if we hold the ball better, we've got the framework in our attack. It's clearly opening the opposition up. We get the framework. We get the the our our, um, our get more clinical. Uh, we hold the ball more in terms of you know we don't lose that ball in position and, and with, we've got position. And I think our defence is growing. I've got I'm seeing the signs that our defence is growing. But on both sides of the ball, there's inaccuracy. So consistency and being more clinical both sides of the ball because I think all round I think this team is an all round team, but we're just not demonstrating that at the moment. You mentioned the scrum. Certainly that'll be affected with no Tuveri Vunga Koto. I did want to get your assessment of kind of that play in the moment and the red card and three-game suspension and kind of how that front row will be affected without him the next couple weeks. Yeah, well, well, well clearly, um, you know, we've, uh, you know, you've got Joey there you know, to come in and we've got Chad there. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have good quality players. And look, Jerem, for me, uh, you know, I never, you know, whilst it's disappointing to lose a player, um, I back the players that come in and, and you know, so that someone else coming in, you know, I don't lose any sleep over someone missing. I'm disappointed for Tuberi. Um, you know, it's a, it's a harsh uh, punishment, but it's, a pun it's, it's there. I don't make those decisions. We get on with it. Uh, for me, uh, the important thing is backing those players that come in. And, and you know, any, any player that comes in will get my support and I uh, look forward to, uh, to the uh, others getting an opportunity. The culture in this team has always been the next man up, you know, and everybody's kind of always pushed everyone to be better. Um, who else is making a difference in the squad that obviously through this next probably four or five games, you know, if, if the Warriors can come away from this being six and two, five and three over the next couple of games, I think we put ourselves in a really good situation. Who's there in the squad that's really putting their hand up? I think obviously Tommy Tuavau over the last couple of weeks, one of those players that's really made a mark. Who else is there? Yeah, you're right about that. You know, if we can have a couple of positive weeks, it does put us right in the mix. And it's a long season; it puts us right in the mix. So, you know, we've had we've had three away games. I don't look at the away games being a disadvantage, but you know, there are factors involved in that. And, and, and but for me, you know, two from four is a start. 
It's not a it's not the best start, it's not the worst start, but two more performances of positive note will put us in a good shape. You're right, Tommy Turbell has been outstanding in the last couple of um, couple of games. I, you know, I'd heard a lot about Tommy in terms of how he can hit hard in defence, but he just went up to another level. You know, in my opinion, you know, seeing what I'm seeing, you know, he's got to start be putting himself or putting himself forward for a for an eagle spot if he can be consistent in those performances. He's, you know, he's quite new to the game, relatively speaking. Um, so he's learning. I'm seeing a real growth in, in Tommy. Um, look, there are other players who are, you know, who are playing particularly well. I think Mika has shown some great signs as well. Um, you know, we put him at we put him at fullback uh, for the last 40 minutes against Chicago. I didn't realise till after the game I made the call to put Meeks to fullback, and I said to him after the game, "Well, you did really well for fullback. How often have you played there?" He said, "I've never played there before." So. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like Meeks is, is jumping between wing and centre and he moved it to centre there and I thought he played really well. So, again, another one there who I think, you know, national honours won't be far away if he brings consistency into his game. And I think it's important, players like Tommy, players like Mika, that the team is consistent because then the more consistency we have, the more opportunities they get. Certainly a big couple of weeks as you come back home. You'll play tomorrow, <coughs> Saturday. We'll talk about the Arrows in a second. You host New England, who's been uh, pretty good so far. You hit the road for Houston, home Seattle, uh, road DC. These next five feel like, uh, in, in April, feel like they're really important. Um, what, what do you feel like this team needs to do to put itself in a uh, playoff positionable spot in the kind of the first half there? Although you do have the second half, but you don't want to play catch up the whole time. No, you're right. We, we look. Look, um, clearly, our home field is, is should be a fortress. Our home field should be, you know, while as again, while I don't talk too much about going away being a disadvantage, being at home, being with our great support, um, our environment. When I say environment, the altitude, all those sort of things, it's a positive for us that we are used to. So we need to take make it, you know, take advantage of that. And and you know, every home game should be a a game that is a real challenge for the opposition and we protect, you know, this fortress with everything we've got. So that's important. Then, then going away, it's just, it's a matter of having, you know, we've had good attitude. Oh, I didn't think we were that far off the mark in San Diego. You know, it was four tries to three. We, you know, we blew about three tries as well. So, you know, I know New England went there as four tries to two. New England didn't really look as though they were in the fight. I thought we, you know, we looked, we leaked a couple of points early, but we always looked as though we could have come back in that game. So, you know, the the, the knowledge is probably in more in isolation, really. So it's important that we that we get a strong performance this weekend. We back it up with consistency against New England, and then we jump on the jump on the plane and head to Houston, and we put in another strong performance and, and get a win in Houston. I mean, we do that, and we're right in the mix. What do you think about the disparity between the East and the West? Is there any thought to that where the number one team in the East would be the number four team in the West right now. If you're looking at records and points, you know, as you line up the opposition, there's no easy weeks in MLR regardless of the conference, but does that get you get in your head a little bit? No, thanks. We just got to get on with it. You know, uh, <laughs> Nolders in the East or in the, uh, in the East and they, they did a, they did a job on us. So I just think you, uh, you know, you drop your guard. It's week in, week out. Yeah. There's some, you know, we, we've, we've got a tough conference. We have, but uh, every team's beatable. You know, we we know we can beat San Diego. We know we can beat Seattle. We have to play well. We have to play very well. We have to be consistent. So, you know, we're not where we're not where I would like us to be at the moment. But um, I, I do think there's a platform. I do think we've got uh, the the ability to do it. Um, 
the thing about it is that you've got to analyze what happens on the weekend, have a look at what happened to Nola, what can we do better? Look, we did that against Dallas. You know, I thought we should have put a big score against Dallas, 18 line breaks, uh, but a lot of turnovers. Um, but, you know, we, we had an issue and we fixed it the next week. Now it's a matter of fixing the issues from NOLA because Toronto are definitely no easy beats. Their stats, they're in the fight to a halftime in every single game. No matter, even if they've leaked a few points in the second half, they've been in the, uh, in the game in the first half, been really, really close. And let's talk more about the Arrows. That's coming up Saturday at 2.30 Mountain Time. Certainly um, have struggled at times, 10 points. Then, uh, you know, three points, put up 27 against Chicago in a win, got a one-point win there. Sam Malcolm scores all the points. <laughs> he has two tries and all the kicks. And then they put up three points last week. Certainly, Toronto's always physical. They've got that Canadian flavor. Uh, Emerson Pryor brings it for the Warriors, which is fun. But what kind of challenge are they, given that you know they're better than what they've shown so far? Uh, well, Jeremy, you mentioned there, they, they haven't scored a lot of tries. Now, I hope I'm not going to jinx this, and they scored a few this weekend, but they haven't scored a lot of tries. But they haven't leaked a lot of tries. You know, I think they went down 38-3 or whatever it was to um, to New York, but it was 15-3 at half time. They were in the fight there. They lost a couple of players for injury as well. Um, you know, against uh, DC on the weekend, 28-3, 10-3 at half time. Um, you know, 17-10 against, uh, against Atlanta. So... They are, they are scrappers. They're fighters. Um, they've got a lot of courage. They've obviously got good, uh, good team spirit and good environment. They don't tend to throw the ball around. They come hard at you. They come direct at you. And they've got great line speed in their defense. And I think that's part of their, their, um, their go-to. So they'll put pressure on you when you've got the ball. So if you get flamboyant, if you get loose, that ball's going to be lying around. And we can't afford to have that against these guys. We've got a control position because we know they're coming at us. You know, they're coming directly with the ball in hand and they're coming at us directly when we've got the ball. So that's just the way they are. And, and you allow them to, um, you know, if you get, if you lose patience and we, you know, we've lost patience a few times. If you lose patience, you're in for a one big fight. So in the last two matches, if you look at the 180 minutes of play, I think we've only had about 110 100, or 160 minutes of play. And we've had a hundred of those minutes played at full strength due to, you know, indiscretions and whatnot. Toronto's MO is always fundamentals. And it seems like this Warriors team, like you mentioned earlier, has the great set piece to build off of. How do you get over that mental hump of missing opportunities inside the 22, which seems to through last year and a, a bit this year plagued this team? Yeah. And, and I, thanks. I can't give you an easy answer, but Shawnee and I, <laughs> We've chatted about this, and I, I do think, I do think it's about you know it, it is about um, our, our theme for um, for Nola was ball is gold, um, you know treasure it uh, because we hadn't been treasuring the ball. Sometimes when you talk about it, when you focus on it, it actually becomes more of an issue, becomes more of a burden. So you know we are we do have to play within ourselves a little bit, I think, early to get ourselves into the game. Because what happens is when you are actually, if you don't start particularly well, you start playing a bit of catch-up rugby. When you start playing catch-up rugby, you start throwing the ball around a lot. So I think important to us, because as I said, we don't have the easy answer to you know, uh, controlling possession other than focusing on it. Um, I think the biggest thing is about you know, maybe starting well. Um, and you know, if it's a, we are an offloading team, and I think that's important, 
But unless that offload is a quality offload, there's no point in offloading. So we are putting parameters around our play, but I think starting well, I think, will be a really important thing that allow us to build in into the game where we don't have to chase the game. I was hoping for some Phil Jackson Zen moment from you there, <laughs> where you just you had the magic mental trick that we could switch on, Coach. I'll uh, I'll tell you after the game on the weekend. I'll say I'll say I had the magic trick, but I didn't share it. Coops on the show next week to recap all the changes that we you. made That's and how brilliant his adjustments were. I don't want every other coach getting my magic trick. Yeah, wait a minute. Um, you know, Saturday might be interesting too because it might be cold, wet, rainy, snowy. We know it's going to be cold. I guess it might be yeah. snowy. What? What? How does that affect uh, the strategy of the game? That the tactical element, if maybe ball handling might be a challenge. Yeah, I look, you know, we have we have a plan A and a plan B, Jeremy, when it comes to that sort of thing. So, um, but again, I think it's really important that, you know, we play, you know, we play the um, quality uh, rugby, clinical rugby early, no matter what. So, yes, if it's windy and, and it's, you know, and it's wet or whatever it might be and it's, you know, it's to our back, well, clearly we, you know, we'll have to use that, you know, put a, a boot to ball and, and get it down there and, you know, if we're playing into a wind and maybe it's not wet, you've got you've got a halt position because you can't kick the ball away. So, yeah, we we've got plan A, plan B, and potentially plan C if, if need be. So it's it's and again on the weekend, whilst it wasn't wet, it was windy, so we got a bit of experience of that. Will this team kick a penalty goal at some point this year? <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It could be a good idea on this weekend. It could be a good idea to get some points early. It's like a be, weird uh, yeah, right? Four games, none attempted. But hey, look, it's no Greg Cooper strategy. That's no <laughs> that's no magic strategy, that one. I've never I've never been in a team where we haven't had that. So, you know, what happens is the guys have been confident in their line out more. Uh, they've gone to the corner. Uh, but uh, it could be this weekend. We might do it well, this weekend. It's just quick maths, coach. I mean, three is good, but five is more than three. And seven's more than five. Yeah, well, that, I, I think that's what's going through the minds of the guys on the field now. The coaches might be thinking differently this weekend. And if weather's a factor, who knows? Uh, if you've yeah. got the wind and you can you can make three. By the way, that Joel Hodgson uh, conversion where he just bent it in with the wind, that was incredible. I'm assuming he used the wind on purpose in that. It looked like he put I, I it think, in a spot I think to bend it. I think the wind was quite uh, quite blustering, and uh, you know it might have been one of those ones where you know it probably at the time it was relatively strong, but consistently strong. You know, when it's blustery, sometimes those are so, you know as a goal kicker, former goal kicker, they're hard to pick. So, but he nailed it nicely. He really did nail it nicely. Any parting words for Dub Nation as we get ready for just the second home game of the year? Um, yeah, for for me. Because our, you know, our fans are listening and they're watching. To me, respect is really, really important, and um, that has that is our theme for this week. We, you know, like every week, you put your performance on the line. You work really hard for that. You, from a coaching point of view, you work on a Sunday. You know, you work on a. Uh, you're, you're talking to your tactical groups. You're talking to your coaches. You're talking to your SNC. You're planning. You, you know, doing all your planning. And as players, we've got to be, put our best foot. Forward, and I'm, I'm not for one minute suggesting no one tried really hard on the weekend. You know, that everyone, you know, everyone tried, um, but we've got to be better than that because it's really important that um, you know we've got a great support crew. Uh, individually, we've got to show um, we've got to you know 
deliver on, on what we know we can deliver on. So respect is really important. So this weekend, it is about respect. It is about getting out there and it is about, you know, knowing that week one, we respect the opposition because they're, they're tough and they'll come hard at us. But I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a performance that we've got to earn the respect back because it wasn't good enough last week. And uh, as I said, it wasn't for uh, a lack of trying, but we've just got to be better than that. Well, Greg, we appreciate you coming on, coming on and talking for 20 minutes uh, about everything that's going on. We're excited about the game this Saturday, and we'll see you there. Looking forward to it. And uh, once again, nice, uh, nice being on the show. Cheers, okay, Greg Cooper, the head coach of the Utah Warriors, joining us. Great stuff there. Banksy, some real insight into what's going on with the team. And look, look strategically, uh, he said we got to start well. We don't need to be flamboyant, control possession, be disciplined. We're line breaking. We got to finish. Too many turnovers. Defense is getting better. Um, yeah, he knows what's up. And two and two, I'll take. You know, one and three would have been hard to swallow. Three and one would have been above expectation. Um, and now you come home for two straight games. And the hope is you can walk out with eight to 10 points. Well, and I think at 500 right now on the season, you hear what a calming influence that Coops can be in really navigating all the ups and downs and the peaks and the valleys and the ins and outs of a long 18-week season and managing personnel and personalities. He's always so steady, and it's it's such a great figurehead to have leading this team when you hear about the adjustments and the subtle ways that he handles all the different situations. It's always great to hear from the inside of the franchise. We will see a penalty goal attempt this week. I just I'm I'm feeling it. It's you gonna put money on it? Happened through four games. I'll bet you a king size bag of Skittles on it. Yeah, taste the rainbow. Okay, taste the rainbow. Deal. Okay, uh, let's preview the matchup with Toronto. As we mentioned, Saturday second home game. That's it. Second home game. We got a lot of home games. Let's go. Two thirty Mountain Time. You can watch it on KMYU, AT and T Sportsnet. Stream it on KSLSports.com and the Rugby Network. We've got the radio call on ESPN 700, ESPN 960, and B92.1. Storylines in this one. Toronto's 1-3 and three with five points. That's last in the East. East. But again, I, I don't stare at that and go, this is an automatic win. Like, Utah's got to play well to win this game. Both teams beat Chicago. Both one-score games on the road. <laughs> Arrows lead this, uh, the series 3-1. Three of those four games have been played in Utah, by the way. You go back to 2019 – at the time, Toronto sent an MLR record with 64 points. Just absolutely took it to uh, Utah. And three tries in four games is fewest in MLR. But again, you've got you've to show up. Greg Cooper just told us, hey, they don't get it wide a lot, but they come right at you physically. And you've got to be ready for that matchup at, at the first whistle. You know that's what this Toronto Arrows team is built on. It's been their modus operandi from season one. It's the way they've always operated and, and got the job done. You know, they're built on executing that platform at an elite level. They'd never do anything flashy. It's it's never the flamboyant sideline to sideline rugby. It's just good, classic, solid fundamentals. And so the Warriors aren't going to have to put in a good 40 minutes. They're not going to have to put in a good 60 minutes. It's going to take a full 80 minutes to put this team to bed. Well, look at you dropping the Latin uh, for MO. So well done. Um, and then, hey, Emerson Pryor is going to be fired up in this one as the Canadian on the squad. You know, he was very overlooked, I think. You know, he he did well in the, in the under-19s, but then was 
for some reason overlooked as undersized or quality traits or whatever. So we we get him here at the Warriors and all he's done is excel both as a personality in the locker room and on the field. So, you know, he's going to have a target out there for every single one of those guys, particularly, I think, his opposite number there to prove a point to Canadian selectors. Yeah, look, look for Emerson Pryor to uh, show up perhaps as the starting loose head prop and number one. We'll see. Um, I know uh, he, he enjoys the game when they compete. Competed for Canada, got his first caps over the summer, which is awesome. Um, so Emer- Emerson's fun. Uh, every week when I'm prepping my play-by-play board, it's a bunch of Emerson Priors is the default picture for the headshot. So I'm just staring at 15, at 23 Emersons, uh, which is great. Okay, a couple of players to watch for Toronto. Sam Malcolm's the guy. Fourth in MLR with 36 points. Scored two tries against Chicago. In fact, he scored all 27 points in the win in that game. Five of six in penalty goals. We don't even know what that's like because we haven't attempted one. And he made a drop goal to beat Chicago. And it's the only drop goal attempted in MLR this year. Mitch Richardson, one of those outside backs to keep an eye on. Lucas Rumble is uh, a really, really good player. Super physical. Team I 34 tackles. And Mike Shepard's old reliable uh, with his 50th cap. He is a seasoned veteran in this league. You know, Shep is the leader of this team and the veteran uh, for this Toronto Arrows machine. He's what makes them go. But really, it, it it all starts and finishes with Sam Malcolm for them at this point. If you can neutralize his playmaking and, and not make mistakes in key areas because he will put it to the boot and just chip away at any kind of lead you have, this team is built on giving him opportunities. So if you can remove those opportunities and make somebody else be the playmaker for this Toronto Arrows team, that could be the biggest turning point for you. So against Toronto, you're going to see Ashley Burge on the sideline on the TV broadcast. And if you want, you can hang out with Ashley before the game with the Junior Warriors. It's an incredible Junior Warriors program. The pregame clinics are fantastic. Get your kids involved. They get to be in contact with coaches, players, and other kids their age, learning the basics and fundamentals of rugby. So go to junior.warriorsrugby.com. Sign your kids up. The tickets for the game, the T-shirt, the experience, all well worth it at Zions Bank Stadium, junior.warriorsrugby.com. Okay, two more talking points left in the show. First, Chicago. It will be the site of the Major League Rugby Final uh, on July 8th at Seat Geek Stadium, where the Warriors have already played a game and won. Hey, make it two in July. What do you think? What do you think of this move to make it a neutral site, unless Chicago's in it, of course, for the final? I think what we saw out of the final last year, and probably the less than stellar crowds that were available there uh, was probably an indication of where this was going to go. I think it's great because major league rugby now gets to promote this grand final location. You can pre-sell tickets. Fans can get excited no matter who's going to be in it. And then both of the teams that end up playing in that grand final now have set plans in advance to be able to make the game. So I think this is great. I think it's really cool to reward an expansion team with this kind of exposure at their home stadium. And uh, I expect a great match in Chicago. We look forward to that uh, July 8th in Chicago. Okay, and finally, uh, there's talk of a new world championship of sorts every two years. It features the Northern versus Southern Hemisphere. It's not the World Cup, but sort of a Tier 1 type nations competition um, that would probably exclude the likes of the United States, according to an article in The Telegraph and the United Kingdom. What do you think of this uh, new competition potential idea? I think the new competition could be very good uh, in the likes of you know, the the the, four, the Tri-Nation series and what that was with Australia, South Africa, and 
and New Zealand that became the rugby championship to include Argentina. I don't see any of that changing, but I think this is a good development for the American countries, the Central and South American countries. Um, really, I think this is an attempt to keep up with the development that MLR has. Um, so I could see why they would want to maybe make an exclusion there for Major League Rugby teams. Uh, I think it would be foolish too, because clearly Major League Rugby is the developing super league in the Americas and premium talent continues to flow in. The competition level continues to rise. So as the governing bodies try and create their own competition to keep up with what MLR is doing, they're going to have to include the MLR in this if they want to have any kind of sustainability or credibility. Yeah, we'll see uh, what happens. Nothing official quite yet, just an idea out there, but uh, we look forward to it. And hey, Saturday ahead of uh, Utah Toronto, make sure you're geared up with the latest and greatest stuff from the uh, Warrior Store. The Warrior Store has it all. Get the best-looking kit in Major League Rugby. Home, away, and the alternate. Be in the four stripes and ready to go at Zions Bank Stadium. Get your gear now at shop.warriorsrugby.com. Yeah, that'll do it for us. Like and share this episode of Dub Nation. Follow the Utah Warriors on social media. We will see you and talk with you on uh, Saturday at 2.30 as the Utah Warriors host the Toronto Arrows at Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman, Utah. Our thanks to Greg Cooper for joining the show today. Today's show was produced by Mason Benson. For Banksy, I am Jerem Jordan. Go Warriors! <laughs>